0: podcast called live in the stream comes to you
1: each week streaming recommendations during nfl season it's not just tongue and cheek quarterback
0: defense tight and recommendations based on opposition shows. here are your podcast hosts jj Zacharyson and danny carter live in the stream. Hey fake footballers, welcome to another edition of Live in the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson. you might know me as the Late Round Quarterback, and I am joined by my co-host, of course, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, man?
1: And, um, I'm sort of in awe at our new intro, and uh, I think it's the most literal, most fantastic uh, introductions to a fantasy podcast this year, I think that's saying something.
0: I I would agree. Uh for for some background for for everyone that listened to that phenomenal intro just now. Uh I went onto the site fiverr.com because the I I think the the 90s sitcoms intros while they were fun to to listen to every once in a while, I think they were um I think we want to be a little more professional and nothing says professional more than a 30 second intro with the word recommendations twice. <laughs>
1: in the song yeah and it's impressive there's a lot of rhymes with recommendation as as everyone knows also on the professional front i'm wearing a suit and i'm clean shaven and my hair is slicked back tonight just sitting,
0: yeah it's it's true it's true ladies and gentlemen I'm smoking this
1: bar too it's disgusting
0: then he's ready to talk talk rankings and tears <laughs> it's right tears t-i-e-r-s T-T-I-E-R-S, not not the ones that you uh that you produce in the shower. Right,
1: right. No, it's not the ones that I, uh, that, that, that come down, you know, zigzag down my cheeks after um, playing Antonio Gates for the fifth time in uh, five weeks last year.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, we, uh, you know, it's actually, we didn't really plan it, but we both kind of pushed our rankings and tiers at the exact same time. And I was actually, you know, we, we, Denny and I usually will post our articles on the Reddit to get some traffic and to get some responses and I guess the responses really shouldn't be a, a real thing because or, or a real uh, reason that we post them because the responses are usually pretty god awful. But um, Denny and I actually just posted uh, in a few days. I want to say a few day range. I think I was the second one to post, so I could be the hips or the the poser here. <laughs> um, but uh, so you know, we both posted them on Reddit, and I saw that that our our rankings were like battling each other. In the in the in the subreddit, I think you have more upvotes though, so your rankings are better.
1: Yeah, see, eleven-year-old uh, voters like me more. Yeah, the eleven-year-olds do.
0: That 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 site, man, that subreddit, that's rough.
1: Oh, I mean, it's it's like a snake pit. I feel like I'm just like like putting my in a snake pit. Sometimes I mean, some don't get me wrong. There's some intelligent conversation that goes on, but. The vast majority of it is just like you can't tell me anything. I know everything about everything. Uh, right. You know, it, it it. There is no you know like intellectual argument for for any sort of stance on any player.
0: Right. Yeah. It's it's pretty nuts. It's kind of like did you see that uh, that that craziness of that that restaurant in Arizona with that woman who just kind of went ballistic yes. on a Gordon Ramsay show and yeah she yeah it's kind of like every person on reddit is that woman
1: yeah, right right yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: like everyone is just it's you cannot tell them anything because whatever they think is correct yes and right. It's
1: just, right and and their their reasons are stuff it's stuff like you know when they looked over my tiered rankings and look okay, i'm I'm fine with conversation with someone saying, you know what I don't agree with this guy that that's fine, that's what I was looking for i'm I'm hoping to engage people in that way, but, but when you when you come at me with you know how can you rank this guy that high he's never finished there before that's what like what is that what we're judging it on where people only only where people have finished
0: before? <laughs> yes the only, there's no such thing as rookies there's no such thing as 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 anything but seven-year veterans
1: yeah right no one improves no one gets worse you know
0: yeah it's pretty incredible every time i'm on there and i'm I'm kind of I mean, like you have to really be. I can't believe we've been talking about Reddit for five I minutes. But know, I'm sorry. No, it's 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 actually my fault. But the it, it like I, you really have to pick and choose what you're posting on there because you have to know if it's like a really really deep conceptual article, nobody's going to understand it.
1: Well, they don't. They they definitely won't upvote it. In fact, I the sure, the, the sure. one the articles that, that I that I work on the hardest. I don't know if you found this. The, the ones I really put a lot of effort into and a lot of yep. thought, I'll post on Reddit and people will just crap on it within, sometimes within minutes. Sometimes it'll get yep. six downvotes right away and it's off the page. I'm like, oh shit, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I wrote. I like pooped out a Tony Gonzalez article when he was going to retire and it, it was the high, highest <laughs> trafficked article on my website. Right. And it was. It was awful. I mean, it, I, I will tell you guys right now, it's not awful. Hopefully, but it's not. It's definitely not something that I'm like trying to promote.
1: Yes, it, it, that's exactly right. Like uh, on draft night, I wrote a Tavon Austin article like as fast as I could. I mean, I wrote it as well as I could, and I had a lot of research that I did beforehand. But I really didn't think of it as like this, you know, epic piece. And it was, you know, top of the. The subreddit thing for uh, I don't know like a day it was unbelievable.
0: Right, right, yeah. I don't I don't understand it. It's it, there's definitely a, a psychology and a in a mind factor that goes into to Reddit. <laughs> but it's a it's a great story. I mean, it's a great site. I love it, and I love I do love discussing fantasy football with people on there because it's interesting to see how people actually do think.
1: Absolutely. Whether that's yeah.
0: whether it's right or not in our, in our mind.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and and it's a it's a nice little reminder that the degenerates that we hang out with and we interact with on Twitter are don't represent the you know yeah. like the mainstream fantasy player and that's okay. I'm really not trying to like speak you know speak lowly of of people right. who have other things in their lives besides fantasy football. So,
0: Yeah, it's like, "Oh, that's weird you don't spend 6 hours a day looking at fantasy football." So, right.
1: In May, in May. It's May.
0: <laughs> God, I just I just published a book in May. What are you for fantasy football? Yeah, what
1: are you doing? I'm just joking.
0: What am I, no, <laughs>
1: what am I doing?
0: I'm gonna reassess my life. <laughs> it's time to take a good look in the mirror.
1: Well, that's a that's a pretty pretty good uh, segue into uh, into that weird book about the late round quarterbacks that you just yeah. dropped.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I I celebrated with a uh, with a nice. Uh, insanity workout and then i uh grilled some burgers and ate three of them oh okay
1: so completely counteracting whatever you just did
0: yeah yeah so i mean
1: I, it uh it
0: i guess nothing came of it right
1: but. see i thought you were gonna say you celebrated with like A bottle of champagne. I mean, you poured you poured like unknown hours, uncountable hours into this thing, and you celebrate by exercising. That's disgusting. You. you
0: It's bad. Well, I'm going. I'm going to Nashville this weekend for for a nice long weekend to uh, to celebrate. I'm I'm hoping that uh, I can I can do a little bit of a drinking there to celebrate. Right. Well, definitely.
1: Just a little bit,
0: like maybe three beers the entire weekend,
1: three max. Are you kidding me? And. And uh, don't exercise, for the love of God.
0: Speaking of beer, we got to pour some out right now for Rolando McLean. Oh, that yes. Was, uh, he retired. I, I made a really witty tweet today, and I was really pissed off that nobody was retweeting it. <laughs> I said, I, God, it's like, it's like the things that I hate I get retweeted and, and get read on Reddit. And the things that I love just are completely ignored.
1: Yeah, I know. I, tell, I I get that. I mean, the, first of all, that makes you an egomaniac. But it's, and <laughs> a, as, as it does, you know, me when I get pissed that no no one's recognizing the genius of the tweet that I just put <laughs> no, out. exactly. But um, but yeah, no, I I I get that. And I didn't I didn't retweet it, so I'm sorry about that. So
0: yeah, no, that's cool. It was. I'm not even gonna say what it is because I don't want to go down that route.
1: Well, it's I I can different. tell you I can tell you that. Okay, Rolando McLean is twenty three years old, and that means that he'll be playing football. There, what this season? What do you? What, what's the over under? October first.
0: Um, that do you think he's going to come back and play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think so. Yeah, maybe.
1: Although, although Glenn Glenn Coffee did not. That's true. Glenn Coffee. I, I I used him a few times. That was horrible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I would, I would, I don't know. He I mean, he's a, he's a head case. Uh, it, there, he, he, it's like, it, it's like what Titus Young needs to do is what Rolanda McClain did today. Yeah. It's it's that whole, it's the, the whole head case. Uh, you know, they just, they, they shouldn't be playing football right now.
1: I guess. I mean, at least look at if McClain never comes back, at least we have that mugshot, right? Or that's right. wait, was it a mugshot or was it a picture of him being arrested? I don't know. I don't. It, it was. It's awful. Google it if you get a chance. Sweet.
0: Well, Rolanda McLean is is done right now as a football player
1: until October first. We'll see you then, Rolanda.
0: Okay, October first. That's Denny's prediction. <laughs>
1: well, we have we have
0: we have some other predictions. Uh, that's what we actually are gonna. That's what we came to talk about tonight. Uh, so, like I said, we. Uh, we did our rankings. Uh, we tiered them. We did positional rankings, I should say. We tiered them. Um, and I think, you know, you and I obviously have very similar uh, mindsets when it comes to strategy, I think, with fantasy football. But, you know, rankings are going to differ because it's just kind of how it works. So th- this is probably going to be the first podcast where we, like, disagree on a few things. Right. Usually, Ma- usually, we're ju- usually we're just like, we're hugging the whole time.
1: Yeah, right, right. Now, Mommy and Daddy are going to fight.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, so cover your ears, kids.
0: Yeah, so you know, first before we get into it, I wanted to just talk about what tiering actually means because I don't think, I don't think people really recognize what a tier is in fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 realistically, you know, I have you know Arian Foster ranked as my seventh running back, but he's in the second tier because I really see a big gap between AP. Uh, and then the next, you know, eight guys or whatever. But I, I it, it's really not that I see someone like Doug Martin, a cr- you know, crazy better than Arian Foster because they're in the same tier. So what a tier really represents is this the this group of players that are fairly interchangeable in rank. But you do have a preference, don't get me wrong, which is why you rank them within that tier. But I think, you know, it's it's basically every time you start a new tier is when there's a significant drop off in projected fantasy points. Uh, from one tier to the next so I think we just need to clear that up do you do you have anything else to add around that Denny
1: yeah uh, well uh, I have Colin Kaepernick in tier two and I got a lot of like you know kind of raised eyebrows at people saying "Uh, I I can't believe Kaepernick is your third ranked um, quarterback and because I have Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers in tier one and then I have Kaepernick at the top of tier two now uh I didn't number my my rankings. I mean you can do that numerically just by just by looking at at the list and say, okay, Kaepernick is just behind Rogers, so therefore Denny thinks that Kaepernick is third. But I really when I say that Kaepernick is in the same tier as uh Cam Newton, which I and Tom Brady and RG three, a healthy RG three, uh I I actually I do mean that I'm fine with taking any of those as a replacement for any other. Um, And I think so when I say he's not exactly my third ranked uh, there um, because we're talking about, as I as I pointed out in my Sports Jerks article on the tiers, we're talking about the difference sometimes of less than half a point, half a fantasy point per game over the long haul. Like last Mm. year with Roddy White and Julio Jones and the whole battle over who was a better draft pick early early in the early rounds um that boiled down to um a difference of 8 fantasy points over 16 16 weeks um and you know so they they you know deserved to be in the same tier and if you drafted one instead of the other you didn't lose much or you didn't gain much
0: right i think it's a good point too is that I think what tiers really do is they allow you to kind of uh home in on on uh, ADP and value. You know, they they tell you this is the guy, you know, I'm I, I I like, you know, for instance, and we're gonna get into this I'm sure, but you know, you're really high on Jay Cutler, right? Mm-hmm. And you see Jay Cutler as a tier three quarterback in your eyes, well now you know, okay, well this guy in tier three is going in in uh, you know, round six, but I can get Jay Cutler in round hundred and seventy four. Well, <laughs> of course I'm going to wait and get Jay Cutler so now I can focus on other positions and I know that I'm going to be able to get Jay Cutler later in the draft. And that's, that's actually something that, uh, our, our friend fantasy douche Frank yep. DuPont wrote about over on Roto-Viz, uh a couple days ago. And it kind of ties into, uh, market value drafting, which I got into in my book teaser. Um, but it, it's this idea that, you know, we have this value-based drafting, um, You know, idea where it's best to worst you know you're kind of you're looking at the best quarterback compared to the worst quarterback but i think the um the one thing that often gets overlooked is that eight that aspect of adp and and how you are viewing that particular player and if you view a certain player like you do jay cutler and you view him and you know that you can get him in the 14th round let's say then you know that you can really look at running back, receiver, and tight end, and just ignore quarterback throughout the draft because your guy, Jay Cutler, can be had in the 14th round.
1: Right, and and, uh, uh, Fantasy Douche talks a lot in that article about um, equity. Um, Equity is the difference between um, average draft position and where you value the the player. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I have Cutler in Tier 4, which is – you know pretty high it pretty much puts him at the back end of of um of top 12 you know qb qb ones basically uh uh and and his adp i think is the 11th or 12th 12th round maybe even later so there's a ton of equity there so i, I have him in the same tier as uh matt ryan and tony romo and andrew luck i know that that sounds nuts trust me like when i <laughs> when i made the ranking I wanted to put my money where my mouth was and That's I've been talk- I've been talking up Cutler for a-, a while now in Mark Trestman's offense. I really like I I'm not just saying Cutler just like to troll people. I really do believe this. So, you know, instead of taking luck in the what, fourth round, is he I think he's going in the fourth. Uh, he's Perfect. basically L- luck's going luck's the sixth quarterback off the board right now. And, you know, I'm not making a huge judgment on that. But I, I won't be taking him there. And if I have, you know, the tiered system lets me say, man, you know, if I have a, a, a two guys in the same tier, one's going in the fourth round, the others going in the eleventh, who am I going to take?
0: Right. Yeah. Well, let's let's actually let's get into it a little bit. Um, it, it was was Cutler a guy that was heavily scrutinized when people were kind of reading your your tiers and in your rankings? Was that like the the number one? Uh, I guess. You would say consensus miss on your end. Not to say that's a miss because right. no one's wrong. But was that the guy?
1: Yeah, uh, Color and, and, and Forte. Uh, I have um, I have Forte in tier three along with uh, Lashawn McCoy and Trent Richardson. And um, the reason uh, is is entirely based on the West Coast offense that Mark Trestman is is bringing to Chicago. And if you just look at what he did. With, um, with Rich Gannon and Charlie Gardner in Oakland in the early 2000s, I think that there's a ton of reason to think that Forte and Cutler could benefit in similar ways. Maybe not the exact same ways, but, you know, uh, Rick Gannon saw his career completion percentage spike in those two years. It, his career completion percentage was 60%. Uh, under Tressman, it was sixty six percent and sixty seven percent in back to back years, and that's a significant bump. Yeah. Um, Gardner caught, I, I believe, Gardner caught triple digit passes as a running back in two thousand two. That that's kind of nutty. I mean, if Forte, you know, Forte doesn't have to catch triple digits to to um, to be, you know, to to justify my ranking of him, but I, I really believe that he's a seventy five catch guy if he if he plays 16 games so uh you know that those are the two guys that that caught the kind of the the brunt of the scrutiny and and i totally understand why because it rubs against the grain of uh you know of, of what you're seeing out there as far as rankings go
0: yeah and I, I i totally agree with the the bears offense and and being high on them i think uh Trestman's really going to going to bring something. It's their first offensive-minded coach in in forever. Right. I mean, they've never they've never had that. And uh you know, it, I I I saw people tweeting about how Cutler um has how everyone's talking about Cutler having a breakout year, but you know, haven't they haven't they seen him enough and blah blah blah. But you know, Cutler was the fourth best quarterback back in 2008 when he played in Denver. I mean, it's not like he's it's not like he's been completely irrelevant his entire career. He's he's done some things, and he can put up he can he can put up crazy numbers. A lot of it has to do with th- uh, three things, I would say. One is their offensive line. Mm-hmm. Two two is probably what's going on, you know, uh, between his ears, and the third uh, being his health. I yeah. think if yeah. and I, I think I think one and three kind of go together. If that offensive line is clicking, then hopefully Cutler's staying upright, and and hopefully. Hopefully, too, the West Coast offense can help him stay upright by getting rid of the ball quicker, mm-hmm. having Mar- having Martellus Bennett there, having Forte in the backfield and getting it off to him. I mean, I, I really do I- – I really I- – I-, I applaud you for putting Jay Cutler as high as you did. Uh, I – I am high on him. Don't get me wrong. I just I was I played it pretty safe with my with my rankings in general. But I I, I completely get why Cutler would be where he is in your rankings.
1: Right. Well, yeah. I, I just you know I think you, you mentioned Martellus Bennett. You know he's he's not just a boon for for Jay Cutler's value. Um, he's also a, a, a boon for um, for Matt Forte. I mean uh, Bennett is is a, a, a you know one of the top blocking tight ends in in the league at least he was last year with the giants there's no reason to believe that he won't be this year and um i mean he opened up ridiculous running lanes for those giants running, back, running backs at times last year uh and forte has had very little running room in in much of his time in chicago uh so that's that's another thing that to me points toward uh you know forte's arrow going up yeah.
0: Well, speaking of the Giants' running backs, let's just jump into that. I love yeah. segues. Um, <laughs> so you you love David Wilson, am I right? Is that I I
1: right? would say that uh, that I I love him. I love him more than more than most. I guess.
0: Yeah. I I took again. I took a conservative approach. I don't right now. As of right now, I think I think David Wilson is a more talented runner than Andre Brown is. Um, but. As of now, I cannot put him in that like mid r b two high end r b two category yet mm-hmm. um i think I think he's got the athletic ability he 's going to be explosive he has a, he has the chance to be a very c j spiller like running back mm-hmm. um and in that obviously we saw last year you don 't need a significant amount of touches, nor do you need goal line touches to be a top ten running back in the league. Um, but you know, he's, he, he had issues his rookie season. And right now I'm, I'm not, I'm really, really, really being, uh, in a pansy about this by not choosing either Andre Brown or David Wilson at this point. And I, I hope it's David Wilson because I have him for cheap in my keeper league, but yeah, um, I, right now, I, I know that you're higher on David Wilson. Do you want to talk about him a little bit and, and just yeah. sh- share your thoughts?
1: Well, let, let me – because I, I, I see a lot of skepticism about Wilson. And it, it, is your skepticism based on the fact that you think he'll be relegated to, you know, like single-digit touches a lot? This- yeah, I
0: think, I think a lot of it's opportunity. Uh, and I think that, like, uh, you know, Andre Brown played pretty well last year before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean – and and obviously like i'm not the kind of of we've talked about this before but i'm not the kind of fantasy player that really worries that much about touchdowns i don't think that i mean i think you you have to be cognizant of them obviously mm-hmm. but um i think there's there's when you get a player who touches the rock when you get a player who uh, you know, is getting opportunity touchdowns should and will eventually come unless they have some sort of physical restraint, like a Antonio Brown being a smaller receiver. You know, there's obviously certain aspects of of positions where you know CJ Spiller's never going to be a goal line back because he's he's smaller. But I I do think that touchdowns in general are an overrated statistic whenever you're trying to uh, judge from one season to the next. But that being said, I think that it still raises Andre Brown's. Andre Brown's value and Andre Brown in the time that he did, uh, you know, carry the load for the Giants was was very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he was a very very strong running back. Now I, I understand the flip side with David Wilson being uh, the top pick that they that they chose last year, um, and and the fact that he's he's probably a more athletic runner, but that still doesn't necessarily scream opportunity for me just because he's that you know better.
1: Sure, sure. I, I mean, obviously we look for you know, talent plus opportunity. Um, And Wilson undeniably has just boatloads of talent, just crazy explosiveness. Um, When he, when he gets the ball, that game against new Orleans, when Bradshaw went down and, uh, and he became, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, the workhorse. What he looked to me, just amazing. He had the, the lateral movement, the explosiveness, the, ability to outrun everybody no matter where they no matter what angle they had on him on, on the field so, some guys had these great, great angles running after him down the field and he would still beat them so right. I, I i i tend to put my faith in in guys like that who you know when given the opportunity they will deliver it's kind of like in in 2010 if you if you really believed in Jamal Charles's talent then you drafted him and you said, you know, I know Thomas Jones is going to be an impediment, but I, I believe that when Jamal touches the ball, he's he's going to do good things, and he did, and he had an incredible season, even though Thomas Jones carried the ball like 220 times. Right. So, um, and I'm not saying Andre Brown is Thomas Jones. Okay. This this situation, <laughs> I think uh, I think that this situation is not easily paralleled. You can't just say oh, yeah, no, this is like Jamal Charles and Peyton Hillis last year. It's, it's not like that. Um, but, uh, you know, Ahmad Bradshaw is leaving a lot of, uh, you know, touches available in that backfield. And uh, with Dave Wilson putting on some weight this offseason, working with offensive coaches to improve his uh, uh, blocking and pass pro, um, I, I read a thing the other day about him getting not not just uh, better mechanics with his blocking, but also um, becoming more in sync with the offensive lines' uh, blocking schemes. So that, that's that's kind of a, a a huge part that a lot of rookies are missing is the ability to gel with the offensive line and understand who needs to be blocked and where they need to be blocked. I think that he's more more than capable of that, and I don't expect that you know to keep him off the field
0: yeah that's that's a fair point. I mean, I think they're both going to be fantasy relevant. I think it's uh if you think about the the chief situation last season uh but but instead of Peyton Hillis place a more talented running back who could play the go- play on the goal line, uh, I think it would be a fairly comparable situation there and obviously Jamal Charles would be I'm not, again I'm not I'm not saying Andre Brown is Peyton Hillis because Peyton Hillis was horrendous last year yes. horrendous God. um but what I'm just saying it's a it's a similar situation where it's a a team that's not going to be afraid to run the ball but again it's it's a situation where when is that athleticism and when is the coaching staff going to say okay we're going to let him run free and that's that's the big question but I think I think you can go into a draft in, I mean if you're drafting in May which only we are. Sure. Uh, I think you can go into it saying, okay, David Wilson's going to be valued as an RB2 and Andre Brown's going to be valued as a flex spot, and that's okay.
1: Sure. And that's sure. fine. Sure, and and I think that that'll change. I think that, that you know, in training camps, we start to hear a lot about, you know, okay, like, for instance, last year going into training camp, Randall Cobb was kind of a blip on the radar, but after, yeah. after training camp, he became the sleeper du jour. I mean, people people just... Tagged him as you know the guy they want. Some some people took him, you know, much earlier than they needed to, just because they they wanted him on their team, and and that's fine. I think that we we'll see a similar thing with Wilson, barring some sort of injury or unforeseen thing. I think that during and after training camp, people will say, "Geez, man, you know this guy's." You know they're 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 talking about giving him the ball, you know, thirteen to fifteen times a game. I like what he can do with that opportunity. So I I, I think that his the perception of wilson is, is is certainly going to change by you know come august
0: yeah you know someone i someone else i had in david wilson's tier in my rankings was lamar miller yeah um and obviously the, you know there's there's been a lot of talk this week and down in miami uh omar kelly's been tweeting a lot about mike gillisley uh which i believe he was talking a lot about lamar miller last year so i don't know how much yeah. stock to put into into the omar kelly uh talk right now uh, but yeah Omar he's he's awesome yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh Lamar Miller is another intriguing player i mean he's 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 an athletic back kind of like David Wilson uh and he's there's ambiguity in Miami um if he you know, but the, the other thing you know i think there's more competition in miami and i don't think lamar miller is necessarily as good as david wilson is no. so and and not, and not only that i don't know if miami's going to be as good of a running team as the giants will be right um so i think that's the difference and that will be kind of the the movement and you know the the difference between david wilson and lamar miller there and i i wouldn't be surprised either this is just you know this is the month of may talking but I wouldn't be surprised if if another if if Mike Gillisley you know gets into some of Lamar Miller's carries this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't put much stock into Daniel Thomas though. He's looked pretty bad so far in his career.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's um pretty much just like a replacement level, um, plotting back, which right. is amazing to say considering the expectations you know coming out of college yeah. and uh, and and actually the way that he looked. Early in his rookie year, I mean, at times looked like a legit running back. I'm not really sure what happened there.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting though too in Miami because they're going to be able to stretch the field a little bit better uh, with Wallace, and then and you know Tannehill is going to be another year deep. Uh, So. I I think that there there could be a viable runner out of Miami, but the way right now with me looking at my tiers, I'm kind of like I'm kind of mad that I had Lamar Miller that close to David Wilson.
1: Yeah, I mean that'll that'll change too. I mean these these tiered rankings will certainly change. I was actually going to ask you about um, Shane Vereen. You have him uh, below. Let's see. You have him in tier eight. Yes. Yes. I have
0: him, I have him with. Uh, just for for our listeners, I have him with Jonathan Stewart, which will change now that D'Angelo Williams officially got his contract.
1: He's back um, in our lives, yes.
0: Yeah, he's back. That's, why do they do that to us?
1: God, I freaking—I mean, D'Angelo. He, D'Angelo Williams has been on the Panthers for like twenty-three or four years now, right? I think so. I
0: think he's been on the Panthers lo- longer than Rolando McClain was alive. Right.
1: I mean, he's been on the Panthers longer than the Panthers have been in Carolina. I'm almost positive about that.
0: Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if that was the truth. <laughs> Feels like forever. Please go. He needs he needs to because he's really ruining fantasy. I mean, I I think what Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams are doing is actually pretty smart because they're extending their careers. But um, I I have I had Stewart at twenty eight in that tier eight, and then that's where I had Andre Brown, Richard Mendenhall, Mark Ingram, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, and then Shane Vereen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had the next tier just for some uh, context. I had uh, Giovanni Bernard, Bernard Pierce, Ben Tate, kind of those. You know Eddie Lacy and Jonathan Franklin because I'm just not sure again about what's going to happen in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, the, that that tier nine group looks to be uh, like the, the the backups, the, the high end backups, the luxurious ones like the the Ben Tates of the last two years. But um, yeah, I mean I've I've Shane Vereen in tier eight. I think you know people don't realize that he was drafted ahead of Stephen Ridley in that same year, which right. is pretty crazy. Right. And and I think I think the coaching staff. Um, well first of all, if you're playing in a PPR league, you gotta really you gotta overvalue Vereen and you gotta undervalue uh Steven Ridley mm-hmm. given the fact that Ridley just doesn't catch passes. Um and Vereen is gonna take over that Danny Woodhead role, who is in San Diego now. Woodhead in a in PPR he was top twenty four last year, correct?
1: Yeah, that's a, he was the twenty fourth on the dot.
0: Yeah, I know in standard he was twenty seventh, but I, you know, that's something too. In standard leagues you cannot overlook, you can't just assume that in PPR leagues is the only league that you gotta worry about running back receptions, because I'll tell you what, Darren Sproles if you extend his numbers from last season, or sorry, the last two seasons, and you give him a 32, if you give him 32 games out of those seasons because he missed three last year with his broken hand, um, if you extend his numbers, Darren Sprouls in standard leagues is an RB14. He puts up RB14 numbers in standard leagues. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that 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 is something, I actually have a a section of that in my book about how running back receptions matter, and and it's not just in PPR leagues where they matter. So because of that, I think that he is the most uh, high-end quote-unquote backup running back out there, and I think that he's got a ton of upside because nobody knows what Belichick's going to do, and I think that because of that, Vereen could really, I mean Vereen could rise on even where I have him now at, what is it, like 30... Thirty-three,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm, I'm a little higher. I think in my tiers on Farine I have him in, in my seventh tier along with um, Ryan Matthews, um, which, nice. you know, that stinks. But anyway, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I really do think that you know everything points to him having a much bigger role. Um, I mean, you can't bank on him having a consistently big, you know, large role in the New England backfield. But um, uh, beat writers are talking about him uh, seeing a a spike in snaps this year. And um, I think that games like he had against the Texans in the playoffs last year will become a little more common. You know, he had seven carries for 41 yards. He had five uh, receptions for 83 yards in that game. And forget the two touchdowns. I mean, yeah, that's nice, but you know, right. I'm not talking about I'm talking about opportunity. So, you know, he, he got um he got twelve touches in that game and he and he did quite a bit with them. Um, Ridley is going at the end of the second round in in fantasy drafts uh in standard and um I don't know if I don't know if I'm if I'm there. I mean I, I think that yeah, I agree. Vereen eats into his opportunity enough for me to really hesitate there.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I think that that there could be, there could be more of a timeshare than than most uh, realize. Uh, they're up there in New England,
1: right? And, and he's going at he's going at the end of the second before Reggie Bush, before Darren Sproles, and before David Wilson. And for me, I'm taking all three of those guys. You know, before Ridley.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you, other than Wilson. But that's uh, you know that that's that's another thing. Reggie Bush. Uh, I think that you had him a little bit higher than I did but I'm I'm really high on him as well I think that he's going to put up um again it's that it's the reception thing even if you're in a standard league mm-hmm. Reggie Bush will easily be and not easily cuz I can't predict the future exactly or precisely but you I would Can't an, come on I would make an educated, I would make an educated guess in saying that Reggie Bush will be a, a solid, solid RB two next year in twelve team leagues.
1: Sure, in Actually, standard leagues. Yeah, uh, I I know this is becoming just like an hour hour long uh, plug for Roto Biz, um, but um, they, uh, a lot of what they uh, of what the writers there emphasize is that uh, running backs who uh, catch consistent. Passes, or, or or at least get consistent targets, are much more fantasy relevant uh, for a longer period of time than than their counterparts who don't get get targets. So mm-hmm. uh, when you know when you're looking at a, a Reggie Bush, a, a Sproles, um, a Vereen, you know uh, these guys who are bound to just you know get a ton of looks at, uh, coming out of the backfield um i think that you're kind of safeguarding yourself against uh you know d- disastrous fantasy years look even if reggie bush only gets let's just say you know 10 carries for uh for 40 some yards in a game uh that's not all he's going to get okay in fact you know he that that'll probably be a nice little cherry on top of his reception total for that game so uh it, it's nice to have to have both both those things the catches and and the um uh and the carries working in your favor.
0: Right. Do you think that there's a a, a regression uh potential with Alfred Morris now because of his, you know, lack of receptions out of the backfield?
1: Yeah, I mean, for, well, let's just say this, uh it would take quite quite a deal um a, a value for me to um to take him in PPR uh because yeah. because he just doesn't does not catch like Ridley, he doesn't catch passes, and and he's not going to suddenly become a a fifty or sixty catch guy. He's not going He's not even going to be a thirty catch guy. So, um, he would have to really fall in PPR for me to consider that.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I kind of, <clears throat> I kind of liken the idea to of of receptions, uh, to running backs. The the viewpoint of that. Uh, as rushing yards to quarterbacks, but I think I actually have a different kind of view with rushing numbers and quarterbacks. And I wrote about this in my book. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I think I think whenever when, when you're talking receptions in the running game, um, a, a lot of that is predictable because a lot of that are, are drawn up plays, right? And even if even if now with with the read option, some of those are drawn up as well. Don't get me wrong. But I think the one thing that that people need to realize with these rushing quarterbacks and these running quarterbacks, and we can talk about this after I'm done ranting, but, um, is the fact that that, okay, great, yeah, you you you're gonna get those monster games from those running quarterbacks like Cam. R, I'm and here. I'm talking about Cam, RG three, Russell Wilson, and Kaepernick. Those four guys. Uh, last year, if you're <clears throat> if you're talking only about uh, rushing yards per game. Russell Wilson averaged four per game, and, and RG3 three, three averaged eight, and those eight points per game uh, equated to 37% of his fantasy total. Mm-hmm. The, the rushing yards did. So, but what I'm getting at is I think that people tend to overrate rushing yards with quarterbacks because we have yet to see a quarterback who is not – I'm not saying that they're not efficient because they are efficient but they they are not getting the type of quantity that a guy like Matthew Stafford is getting and it, and and at the end of the day the the difference, you know, between a 4-point touchdown pass and a 6-point rushing touchdown compared to that quantity that you're seeing because the you know, RG3's passing numbers last year from a fantasy perspective, I'm not talking about on the field production because he was incredibly efficient. He didn't throw a lot of interceptions. The same goes for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson had like 350 attempts and he threw 26 touchdowns. But but what I'm saying is is that from a from a pure numbers and fantasy perspective, those four guys put up passing numbers that were equivalent to Carson Palmer. Mm-hmm. So so basically if you think about it, what those rushing quarterbacks have done is those those rushing totals have catapulted them into QB1 tiers, but we have yet to see somebody who can be that true superman who is who is Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball quantity-wise, uh, and and running the ball like Cam Newton can? I mean, Cam Newton, sure, he's got a ton of rushing touchdowns the last two years, but he's also only thrown twenty touchdown passes the last two years, and that's just that's just the nature, and that's just how these these quarterbacks are because they're limited and constrained by a number of plays during a given game.
1: Right. It would have to be like uh, like a chip kelly pace type offense on steroids to be able to to do both of those things
0: yeah exactly so if you know if you're running 83 plays a game and that's a high number then you know you're automatically constrained and if you're only going to pass the ball then you're only going to then you're the detroit lions and then you get matthew stafford but if you want to mix it up a little bit then you're going to be washington but when you mix it up it's not you're not necessarily going to be throwing the ball you know Fifty times a game. Yeah, that's just that's just not going to happen.
1: And speaking of volume throwers, and and remember remember everybody, it's okay if your quarterback's throwing a lot and kind of stinks, like Stafford did last year, because he you know he he saved your fantasy, he saved his fantasy day a lot by throwing 55, 60 times a game. Right. Anyway, I wanted to mention about Cutler. I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, uh, Rich Gannon threw an average of thirty nine and a half passes per game during his time under Tressman, So uh, yeah. if Cutler can get 40 throws a game, I, I, you know, I sure like him as a, as a, as a, as a very cheap quarterback that could possibly challenge for uh top 12 status.
0: Yeah. That's another thing with the passing quarterbacks is that when you know that they're, uh, I, I'm, I'm being very uh, black and white by saying passing versus rushing quarterbacks. But I, I think that's the one thing is that they're more predictable. Cam Newton last year was unreal up and down. RG3, don't, I mean, he was he was fantastically consistent, all things considered. I will give him that. Russell Wilson started the season. I mean, it's kind of tough because we don't have a big sample size, but Cam Newton, we're starting to get a bigger sample size, so he's kind of my go-to with this kind of analysis. But Cam Newton has the potential to be the, the top qu- fantasy quarterback. He has the potential to. But for me personally, not only do I not subscribe to an early-round quarterback strategy but i don't see the the necessity in in trying to force that and to think that that's just going to happen this year especially considering they didn't they don't really have much going in their passing game and from a weapons perspective
1: mm-hmm.
0: anyway let's uh let's talk about some other guys how about you got you got any on my list that you were kind of raising your eyebrow about yeah
1: uh well vereen uh caught my eye oh uh we are we are way far apart on ryan Tannehill um
0: yeah we are
1: i mean we're we're like centuries apart here um i have him geez i mean yeah that, that was another one that caught attention and, and that's fine It, i understand no it's not fun <laughs> shut up dad um uh hill i i have him in the in tier five along with eli um and i know that that's really high but look at Tannehill, I think I I saw this on Twitter the other day, and and it's and it definitely rings true if you if you watched him play last year. He looked a lot better than his stats looked at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: I mean he, he was a rookie who clearly understood what was happening, clearly understood how to manipulate a defense. He has you know, I don't want to say all the physical tools, but Pretty he's close, certainly
0: athletic. Pretty yeah.
1: close to him, and and that's another thing that I mentioned in my tiered rankings is that uh, he seemed either more willing or uh, the coaching staff seemed more willing for him to use his legs a little more late in the season in the last three or four games. Um, and if you watch college highlights of him as a receiver, he's sort of freaking fast. I mean, he, yeah. uh, you know, he's not going to like juke you out, but. He's you know like like Aaron Rodgers type athletic, um, and so you know like like you were talking about with rushing quarterbacks, if if a guy like Tannehill can tack on three or four fantasy points um, in a game, you know all with his legs, it's a it's a nice little cushion, it's a nice little bump, um, and he did what he did last year and had had a nice season uh, with the worst receiving core I've, that imaginable, right? I mean Brian, yeah. Brian Hartline might be a practice squad player player playing Green Bay, right? But he was their unquestionable number one receiver last year. That, that to me, speaks volumes about what Tannehill had to work with.
0: Yeah, that's—I mean, they're all fair points. I'll say this. If Ryan Tannehill was playing this season last season, he would have been a great candidate for a late-round quarterback. I think— a lot of a lot of the pushing him down on my list. I have him in tier five. I I shouldn't just say the tier because it's all relative. But I have him with guys like Andy Dalton, Sam Bradford, Matt Schaub, who I'll I'll probably kick out of there, uh, and Carson Palmer. But I I'm not sold yet. I kind of have to. You know, the, the the position is so deep for me that I can afford to get a sure thing as my QB one. Mm-hmm. So, so it's more of a kind of playing that that risk reward game. I mean, certainly Tannehill has a high ceiling, I would say, but uh, you know, there's also there's also a pretty low floor for him. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, no, no, it's frighteningly low. I, I understand, but I would say that Tannehill and Cutler are the quarterbacks that I have the most, uh, I, as we talked about earlier, the most equity in, uh, where I, yeah. I I value them uh, a lot more than uh than 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 my league mates would um
0: yeah i'm glad
1: that i'm glad that i just said that so that uh when you know (laughs) league mates uh listen to this uh they'll make sure to absolutely uh you know turn the screws on me on draft day that's fantastic thanks jj thanks a lot
0: (laughs) the the one guy one guy for me that i Whenever I was looking at, at your rankings, God, they're so bad. Your rankings, they're so bad. <laughs> <Denny>. <laughs> the one, the one guy that I, you, you're really low on Greg Olson.
1: Oh yes, I am. And look, I know that he was like our hero a few times last year when he like <laughs> when he when he would torch defenses and and like,
0: like Denver. yeah, like
1: like the De- the Denver game. I mean, you know, I've, I felt I. Through through a, a party with my closest friends after that game, but <laughs> who, who, who? do I? Yeah, no, I, I can see that. Okay, uh, I don't. I, I think that their offense uh, last year really uh, was very very much much more tight end centric than it will be this year, um, and uh, Chudzinski. Yes, I mean. yes, the old Chud, and you yes. know, and so you know, Chud as they column uh is now you know with uh jordan cameron i'm sa- that's right right it's not Cam- cameron jordan is f- plays for the saints right i'm sorry it's jordan cameron. it's jordan cameron okay so jordan cameron is my new greg olson they oh, yes yeah. so that that's what that's what happened there and, and also um i i just i feel like with the um replaceability at tight end it, like, like you were saying with Tannehill. uh yeah. Yeah, it's. it's I, I think cool. that I, for me, I think that's what happened with Olsen Is he just kind of kept getting pushed down with the other guys who I felt were highly replaceable.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think I think I'm gonna. Re- I I really again I played it pretty safe, which is why if you look at my thread on Reddit, there's not many, there's not many, there's not much backlash because it was so safe. And when you know, whenever you push things that are safe, no one's gonna really say anything. But, um. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. I mean, it's it's one of the situations where quarterback and tight end, you might as well just kind of go balls to the wall and just try to get a guy that could end up being a top top half starter at those positions. And and given the fact that Norv Turner and Chud are, are in Cleveland and, and Antonio Gates did what he did in San Diego with them, um, I think Jordan Cameron, he, he's an obvious choice for breakout this year and everyone is talking about him right yeah. now. But last year, everyone talked about Kyle Rudolph, and that that ended up working out decently well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it worked out fine. Uh, and and I will say this about my my tight end tears, um, which sounds dirty. Don't Google that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and definitely oh God. definitely don't Google image it. But uh, I think that there's. I think I found a compromise between uh, getting one of the elite five tight ends and streaming tight ends this year as I've obsessively for the past three months I think the one compromise that I found is Dennis Pitta and I wrote about him uh, for the fake football and his prospects after the you know the departure of Anquan Bolden from um, from Baltimore Uh, Pitta is I think uh, has pretty I think going in the seventh round of, of drafts that could change obviously but if you if you really don't want to stream tight ends and, and I get that it's not it's not the most comfortable thing in the world, um, but you don't want to burn a, a really early round pick on a Gronk or Graham or Witten or or Hernandez or Gonzo, then I think the Pita is your only real compromise option, a guy who is I think will be a legit every week starter who won't be a top five. But he also won't lay lay the eggs that he did last year because um, he won't occupy the same a similar role as as you know as Bolden because uh, Bolden's gone to San Francisco.
0: Yeah, you make a great point uh, with both the quarterback and tight end position. Uh, so you know obviously you and I are both uh, into streaming uh, those those single uh, positions I don't know is there like a term can we like coin a term? for the positions in a fantasy lineup where you only start one of them is there a term for
1: the that singular positions i don't
0: can we just can we just give them like a, a word yeah. like i throughout my book when i was writing it it drove me crazy because i had to explain it every time yeah. but i needed like like i needed like the word grape or just something just something yeah. completely random that everyone knew automatically
1: what it Here, was here's a word and this might be due to the fact that i have a 5 month old son but I think the single position in fantasy, like tight end and quarterback, shall be uh, henceforth called onesie. Done. Onesie, everybody. Done.
0: The, one, the onesie position.
1: Yes. So
0: that's, that's beautiful. I love it. Okay. So the, the onesie positions this season, um, I, I think it's the way people are approaching tight ends this year is similar to the way they approached quarterbacks last year where there is a significant tier of players with Gronk and Graham being the rodgers brady Breeze, and then you have the Hernandez-Tony uh, you know, G kind of players that are, and Jason Witten as that Matthew Stafford-Cam Newton. And then there's that huge drop-off, and you get to all these other schmucks. But I think that in, in terms of when you're drafting, those schmucks are so interchangeable that you might as well just wait until the 11th round or 12th round and just see who's there and be fine with it and then stream. Sure, sure. Look, at- And I think that's the approach you ha- I think that's the approach that, it, like you said, if you're not comfortable getting those early guys, you have to kind of go that route.
1: Yes, I, I, absolutely. I think if you can get uh, – I know Jermichael Finley is dead to everyone and they hate him, but if you can get uh, a guy like Finley and Olsen – or Jared Cook and Fred Davis or you know I mean you know j- just get just grab two late guys and and play the matchups I I really don't I really think that um people shouldn't shy away from that and and should remember that you know making the the right decision uh is the most important part uh so you know when we're talking about playing matchups we we can understand what the best decision is uh, without having to focus so much on the results, I think that that's secondary in a lot of ways.
0: Right. I, I, the thing is, is that, and with that, I think streaming with with streaming and when you're drafting, you don't necessarily draft for the purpose of streaming, but you know that that's the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 given that, I think you can go with a guy that is is somewhat proven, but you know that he's not gonna like Br- Brandon Pettigrew. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you know he's he's gonna give you some good weeks, but He's, he drops the ball, and he's going to frustrate the hell out of you. But then you get someone like Jordan Cameron who has all this upside in the world, and if all that upside in the world ends up happening, then great. You got your tight end. Worst case scenario, you drop him. You still have Pettigrew who's proven, so you still have something there. And then you go into free agency, and you kind of stream
1: with Pettigrew. Sure, sure. And like, like drafting Kyle Rudolph last year in redraft was you, you hoped – that you had like a mini Gronk like you had a guy who you could just plug in and turn your brain off and just say Kyle Rudolph is my tight end no matter what because that's that's easier right i mean that's what we look for we right. look for really easy choices you know plug and plays we want everybody to be Aaron Rodgers you just plug and play Aaron Rodgers but it, that's we just don't have that luxury with with tight end and luckily Luckily, we don't have to we don't have to be stuck with these subpar tight ends because there are so many usable tight ends every week. Yeah. Cuz it's a onesie. Position. It's a onesie. Yes. It's a cute it's a, it's a cute position. little onesie with ducks on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, be- before we start ranting, let's just do you do you have any other guys that you see that you're valuing uh, that we hadn't talked about tonight? that you are valuing higher uh, compared to where they're going in, in drafts?
1: Uh, well, I know this kind of is good timing or, bad, I don't know, maybe bad timing, but Dwayne Bow was kind of running his mouth today about how he was going to lead the league in receiving. Now, yes. I'm not saying that at all, but he's playing in a, pa- a very pass-happy, pass-friendly offense with the best quarterback he's ever played with on the pro level. So... And he can do it all. I mean, just let's remember how dominant this guy was when Matt Castle was just throwing bombs, just just lobbing balls to him it, it, sometimes in that twenty what was the twenty ten season? <laughs> and
0: yeah. Or
1: maybe two thousand nine anyway.
0: He, he was yeah.
1: um the, you know, the guy has all the tools and I have him in tier five, just uh just behind uh Vincent Jackson and Roddy White and Andre Johnson and uh I think that I'm going to have uh, I hate to bring up the word equity again but <laughs> I am going to have major equity in Dwayne Bow because um I I can get him later uh later than than I value him.
0: Yeah, I I love Dwayne Bow this year. I I'm I'm high on the Chiefs offense. It's strange, but Andy Reid hasn't had that kind of wide receiver since TO and when he had TO, uh TO was was quite the
1: fantasy. He, he did all right. He did all right. Yeah, I'm yes.
0: that. Um, one guy that uh, I'll I'll stick with receiver. I've been talking him up all off season. I love Steve Smith's value right now. He, the last two seasons combined, and I understand this is counting uh, games that were missed by other receivers. But the last two seasons combined, Steve Smith has been the twelfth best wide receiver in standard fantasy leagues. Uh, I think right now he's got an ADP. I've seen him go in the eighth round, and it's not even in best ball leagues that I've seen him go in the eighth round. Um, but Steve Smith is a guy that you can rely on, that you can count on. He's not going to give you 1,500 yards, but he can certainly give you 1,100. I think he only scored four or five times last season. Uh, I think it was four times. I, I, I could, you know, that's something that's attractive because people are going to look at the previous season and try to draw conclusions for this upcoming one. And while he's he's getting up there in age, I think he'll be 35 this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he didn't show a ton of signs of wear and tear last year and he is the easily the number one receiving threat in carolina um so i think because of that if if he can stay healthy which he has since cam's gotten into the league i think steve smith could be a phenomenal phenomenal value could you imagine him as your as your wide receiver i mean
1: you're you're set if you have i mean if you have him at at, at that kind of value yeah
0: right especially if you're i mean if Unless you're in like a three-team league,
1: right? Right. But, well, yeah, I mean, it, we. I think we're all in at least one three-team league, right? Where, yeah, where someone yeah. someone gets a bye week every week. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. <laughs> every you just rotate and you're just playing. You're just continuously playing. That's each
1: other. fun. That's a new. That's a new style of degeneracy. I like it.
0: All right, Denny, do you want to you want to rant? Let's rant. All right,
1: you want to go? Let's rant. Go ahead. And I'm gonna. I'm actually. I'm gonna be really just quite corporate here and I'm going to plug a book that I wrote with my rant nice. um, and uh, it's actually it's going to come out June 1st it's called how to think like a fantasy football winner uh, it's a mouthful I know but you know uh, that's that's the best I came up with so it um, uh, you can check my timeline for all sorts of links to um, to the official Facebook page where I have a bunch of material Uh, but what I wanted to rant about was something I've gotten a little, uh, a little backlash from, and that's, um, saying that, you know, fantasy owners should make more of an effort, should really strive really to, to remain flexible in the way that they construct their, their teams. Um, and, uh, I've, I've found, uh, and this is the point of disagreement I found that the most prepared, the most confident and obsessive owners are the ones who are also most likely to be incredibly inflexible when it comes time to draft a team. So even when opportunity presents itself, kind of like it did in that mock draft last month where Aaron Rodgers fell to you and you took him. I mean, that wasn't your plan, but you, you became flexible. You said, you know what? I can't pass up this enormous value. I'm going to take I'm going to take the guy I never thought I could I could get here. So um uh, th- and th- and that's what I'm talking about and if you don't mind, I'd like to write read a little excerpt from from the book um just talking about this uh situation with uh lack of flexibility. Um I talk a lot about poker and other sports in this uh in this book as you'll see and as I'll um Litter your timeline with over the next month or so. So, uh, I said, uh, predetermining what you're going to do at the poker table or on uh, fantasy football draft day often comes after ample preparation. Many of those who have put the most time, the most effort, and the most brain power into a fantasy draft strategy are often the owners who have the most inflexible game plan. Uh, They won't stray from their carefully concocted course of action precisely because they put such a ridiculous amount of thought and calculation into the players they want to draft and the guys they want to avoid. The excessive preparation makes this owner overconfident and forsaking their draft strategy or their uh, their season-long approaches to working the waiver wire would forsake the energy they poured into understanding this stupid little game. And so I guess what I'm ranting about is the fact that just, just because you've put a lot of time and effort into evaluating players and coming up with what you think is a perfect draft strategy uh, doesn't mean that you shouldn't stray from it when opportunity presents itself. I'm done.
0: I, I love it. You're completely correct, Denny.
1: There you go. Every, All right. E- well, Everyone needs to buy your book everyone every you hear you hear all you millions of people you need to buy it it comes out june first it'll be on all the various interweb sites that sell these things and again i will probably uh you'll probably be sick of me promoting it uh by the end of the summer but um but i will do it anyway
0: yeah you gotta you gotta feed the family right
1: i do i mean i don't know i don't know why you guys hate my uh hate my my baby son (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. But if, if you love them, buy the book <laughs> Did
0: you just did you just blackmail everyone? Did you just
1: <laughs> If you hate babies, don't buy my book. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: oh man.
1: All right. I got to I got to
0: take a take a deep breath. Whew.
1: All right, you're go. You're go. All
0: right, here we go. I'm going to talk about value-based drafting, which I kind of mentioned earlier, but uh, I'm going to get into um, kind of what is, is going wrong in the fantasy world because of value-based drafting. So, value-based drafting, as I mentioned in my book dozens of, dozens of times, is the most important aspect of fantasy football that you need to understand. Because from a basic level, it tells us not to be concerned with how a player at one position performs against a player at another. It tells us how a player performs against his peers who play the same position. And that, in that basic uh, fundamental of value-based drafting is what is important to understand in fantasy football. And it's obvious to, to you and me, but there are hundreds and hundreds of people who just don't get that. Just go read the, Reddit, the subreddit of fantasy football. Um, But, but, you know, the the majority of people uh, use the tool and compare top performance at a position to the worst possible starter in their league. So with value-based drafting, there's these baseline positions. And uh, a lot of people use these baselines to be, you know, if you're in a 12-team league, the best quarterback to the 12th best quarterback or the best running back to the 24th best running back. And then compare the difference between those two uh, and then look at that variance from position to position and whichever variance is greatest, you say, oh, that position is more valuable or that top guy is more valuable um, to, to draft at this point in the draft. But once they draw those conclusions, people usually stop. But this really shouldn't be the only way that we draft. And look, I'm telling you, VBD is a great, great tool, and Joe Bryant is an absolute god in the fantasy football world for actually putting words to this generally obvious strategy but that doesn't mean that the foundation of the concept, as is with any concept, can't be made better. Um, you know, most people who use VBD to make draft decisions do it while thinking they can never touch their teams ever again. So they assume that if they draft Jay Cutler as their QB1, they have to use Jay Cutler the entire season. But, you, I mean, tell me right now, how often does your team look identical at the end of the year compared to the beginning? Do you all of a sudden just not make transactions during the season? So there's this idea of replaceability that goes completely unnoticed with VBD analysis. You touch your team, you you manipulate it, you trade players, you pick guys off the wire. You know, fantasy football is not some static game where you draft and then you're done with it. Um, So I'm kind of using this as a teaser to uh, go check out the, the late round quarterback 2013 edition because I do have a chapter on replaceability as I do have a chapter on market value drafting. And I think those two chapters really give you an idea of what the whole strategy is about and understanding that, you know, sure, you can find value in a draft and you can understand what value means in a fantasy draft. But really, um, you have to understand which positions are valuable because those positions post-draft still hold some sort of value because you are still touching those, your, your team and, and changing your lineup week in and week out.
1: Right, and, and I think that that's something that people need to kind of break free of is the idea that you're going to draft, you're going to draft the team that you're going to use for for 16 weeks on draft day. That's that's not going to happen ever. And you're the the real the, the, the true fantasy owner, the, the the one that excels year after year over the long term is the one who can overcome a subpar draft or injuries or other things that crop up. And um, and find that replaceability and, and manipulate it in the correct way.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned Jamie Harper in my book, so I think Shoot. I think that alone warrants I, Keith Black, one of the the late round QB writers, was was big into the Jamie Harper mention.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think Jamie Harper should buy your book because he's mentioned in it.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: I, I mean, I, don't, I can't
0: wait for my for my next Roto World article to go out because I already shared you shared it with you or part of it with you that intro piece, but with the the Lundell White kind of dig. <laughs> I, I, I hope this is the second Street podcast of our mentioning Lundell White.
1: It's it, it's amazing. I think we're we're really relevant, like I said last time, for people who are in fantasy leagues from 2006. <laughs> That's right. I, I think that we have we have that market corner right now. 2006 fantasy leagues, we own it.
0: Aronde Gadsden, there's a name. That's a jeez. <laughs> I, I, there's nothing. There's nothing more pleasing than for me than to just throw out random. Like I love the whole idea of just mediocre players and just.
1: Oh, you ready? You ready? Marty Booker. Yeah, Marty. Man. Marty
0: Booker's a good one. I, love I'm that. a I'm a big jersey collector, and I have just a bunch of random jer- like I have a Jeff Blake Bengals jersey and I have a Mark Chamora uh Green Bay jersey and I just I love it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Mark Chimura. <laughs> I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about what Mark Chimura is known for.
0: No, let's not do that. Let's uh instead, Let- do you want to go get a milkshake?
1: I will. Let's uh let's meet for that and uh and uh, i I'll, I'll I'll make sure to order only one straw.
0: I love it. Where can they find you, Denny?
1: Um, on Twitter at cdcarter13, and um, uh, you can find me on uh, fakefootball.com and sportsjerks.net. Um, I'll also be writing uh, a uh, a column, a weekly column for uh, Four for, Four Football with uh, Josh Moore and John Paulson. You know those guys, oh, yeah. and uh, they were uh, they were nice enough to to let me write for them this year. So I'll be writing a streaming streaming quarterback column for them um it come uh come september i'll have a kind of an intro piece out uh next month um that i'll uh, make sure to shove down your throats everyone
0: nice that's awesome they're great guys over there for the record too so that's yeah. that's gonna be that's gonna be fun um i'm jj zacharyson you can find me at late round qb late round com and go buy my book but i will not tell you to buy my book even if you don't like children
1: <laughs> or, did, 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 did i'm, I'm right? not gonna take I'm going to take that low road and say uh if if you want to feed my child, if you want to make sure he's a big plump baby, then you buy my book when it comes out June 1st. Okay.
0: Oh man. Well, I, well everyone thanks for listening. I'm I'm really excited for this because we not only have an intro but we have an extra as well. So uh yes. so or an outro. Is, which one is which? Is it an extra or an outro?
1: I think I shave with an extra. I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah. I Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not an extra. Yeah. All right, well, uh, that's it. I hope you guys enjoy the outro, and uh, we'll catch you guys hopefully in a week or two. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long. It's
1: fast. For more fantasy football info, check out com. Hope you come back.
0: soon as we share about the teams and as we live, live.